You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong, believe, and be renewed along the way. We were watching TV and the, the trailer came on for that Jurassic Park movie. Like there's this this latest episode or installment of Jurassic Park movie. And um, my son, Niall, he immediately asked, he says, Dad, what's the most dangerous dinosaur in the world? A T-Rex. And the dinosaurs got extinct by probably a meteor. This was like this 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 <laughs> out of nowhere conversation, just because these you know it was, it was uh, triggered by that that commercial or that that that, that movie promo. And uh, you know, Niall just immediately was like, he asked a question then answered it. What's the most dangerous dinosaur in the world? A T Rex. And then he goes, and he says like matter of factly, and the dinosaurs got extinct by probably a meteor. So it's very matter of fact, like this is what happened, but probably. And so. Kind of the the question as I think about this in, in the context of of uh, our faith and these these kind of questions come up and we're going to wrestle with some of these questions today is can faith and science coexist and you know how would how would you answer that question how would faith how can faith and science coexist or can they well earlier this year we asked for questions and uh, we we received some great ones and we we've been wrestling with questions like real quest, real questions from real people and it's important for us to, because we believe seeking answers to our questions about faith god and life lead us to renew our hearts and minds to become more like Jesus so the questions today and there's like there's three questions today specifically we're going to kind of look at one is for what is the secret of the universe <laughs> Taking the easy ones, right? What's the secret of the universe? The other question, this is very interesting. Could the Big Bang and God or creation both be correct? And then a question just kind of tagged on. I tagged onto this because it just, you know, I don't know how else to address it, but in the context of this science and faith thing is, what does the Bible say about dinosaurs? So we're going to dig in here and find some answers or seek to find some answers to this and increase our 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 hearts and our mind and grow to become more like Jesus. So we're going to begin with the beginning for questions about the beginning. Let's go to the beginning. Genesis chapter one. It says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. And the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good and separated the light from darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness night and evening passed and morning came marking the first day just the first five verses of the creation poem and we're going to dig in here and kind of look at some of these questions and we're going to look at several other scriptures today as we get into this uh, so so hang on uh, but here's our big idea the big idea for our time together is faith in god doesn't mean you have to check your brain at the door faith in god doesn't mean you have to check your brain at the door and so with that in mind, let's kind of look at this, these things, you know, what's the secret of the universe? So here's the first thing I want to camp out on. The secret is no secret. Okay. It's no secret. Um, you could go to this, this famous book that was actually made into a movie called Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And if you've seen this, you know where this is going. Cause the question is, what is the answer to life and universe and everything? And this, this question is posed to this all-knowing computer, right? But the computer brain that knows all things basically says, come back in like 7 million years, something like that. But when they come back and ask the question again, what's the answer to life, the universe, and everything? The computers, as I have, I have come through every detail, I've run us through test after test, and I've come up with the answer to the answer to life, the universe, and everything is 
42. And of course, everyone's like, 42, what is that? What does that even mean, right? So, so what is the question? What is the answer to the question of life and the universe and everything? Well, I would pose it to you that the answer is, in the beginning, God. See, the Bible begins with this creation poem known as Genesis. Genesis means the beginning. And, and it's, it's, this, is, this, is the, this is where it all begins. That's what it means. And so for generations and generations, this story had been told until most likely Moses, a character we know from the scriptures, wrote it all down as the introduction to what, kind of has be, what became known as Torah, which means the word of God. Okay, so so this was kind of like how this story found its way into what we call the Bible. So as, as for the actual account of the Genesis, no one was there taking notes. Okay, when we read Genesis chapter one that I just read, we read the first five verses of this. Get this. We got to remember, no one is there taking notes as this happens. So this is best understood as a revelation of God rather than a historical account of man. Okay, so 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 in other words, the best way to read the account of creation is that God has revealed himself to us in the best way that we could fathom in our human understanding that he is the creator of all things and that he is eternal and he is without beginning god is without end the, the one and only constant from which all things came in short god so so when you ask what is the secret of the universe you're asking what is the mystery of god in the story of job in the bible job job is having a really bad day He's having it's like the worst day ever. And his friends show up and tell him, well, it's all your fault. You get, you're getting what you deserved. And one of them asked Job, he says, uh, this is Job eleven seven. Can you fathom the mysteries of God? Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? He's like, can you understand? Can you really understand what God is doing? So Job replies like the next chapter over, basically, yes, I know God very well. And he says this, this is Job 12, uh, 12 22. God uncovers the mysteries hidden in darkness. He brings to light the deepest gloom. So, so when we get to the New Testament, the New Testament reveals that in the context of the people of God and the mystery of God, that, that, that the mystery of God can't be known in the context of his people. Colossians 2 Two says, my purpose, purpose in writing this, purpose in doing all of this, purpose in having this thing called church, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So, so, so this is like, this is like the meaning of it all. It's, it's all pointing to, in the beginning, God revealed as Christ. The, the, the creation stories retold in the Gospel of John, it echoes like the Genesis poem, but in the light of the Messiah. It says this, John 1, 1, In the beginning, the Word already existed. He was with God, and He was God. He was in the beginning with God. He created everything there is. Nothing exists that He didn't make. Life, was, life itself was in Him, and His life gives light to everyone. The light shines through the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. So what is the secret of the universe? In the beginning, God, Jesus, is the subject. Faith in Jesus sheds light and understanding through the darkness, and the darkness can never put it out. The secret is no secret. The universe reveals the nature and glory of God. There you go. What's the secret of the universe? It reveals the nature and the glory of God. Okay, so, so can a universe created by this God... 
take this creation poem and say, this is how, this is, this is what God did. God created everything. Can this and the scientific Big Bang theory both be true? That's the question. Can I believe in creation and also believe in the Big Bang theory? It's a great question. Um, let's start with this idea. Faith is not the opposite of science. Okay, I, I do want, I'm going to put that, I want to begin this part of what we're doing today with that. Faith is not the opposite of science. I'm going to give you a quote from two famous scientists, not theologians, not pastors, not priests, not saints, but, theolo- but, but, but scientists. Sir Isaac Newton, you may have heard of Sir Isaac Newton. A quote from him says, When I look at the solar system, I see the earth at the right distance from the sun to receive proper amounts of heat and light. This did not happen by chance. And if you research that quote, it's prefaced by, uh, he, he can't, like, I can't believe in atheism. Yes, that's the kind of the idea. Is, I can't believe there's no God because when I study the solar system, when I study the, you know, the fact that there's a the proper distance from the sun, the proper amount of heat and light for life to exist, it's not by chance. Another famous scientist, Louis Pasteur, he says this, The more I study nature, the more I stand amazed at the work of the Creator. That's beautiful. If, if I have true faith in the Creator God, should its scientific discovery strengthen my faith and not destroy it? So, so we read a little bit about this creation poem, like just the first five verses. And perhaps you're familiar with the entire narrative of God creating everything in six days. And again, no one is there writing it down as it happened. So don't get mad if someone else says, well, there's a Big Bang Theory and there's a creation theory. And you take the word theory and you get mad about it. No one's there writing it down. So don't get mad about this. The point of the Genesis poem isn't how God created everything. The point is that God created everything. We go back to the original audience as they told this story. It wasn't to, to, to scientifically understand how things were done, but to, to encourage each other and remind each other that there is a creator. Now, what about the Big Bang Theory? This is interesting. The Big Bang Theory is, and I'm not a scientist. This is from you know a secular person doing research, okay? I, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that all the stuff I'm going to give you is information that I found through research and study and reading for myself and not taking somebody's blog or, or somebody's like thoughts on it, but actually reading a lot about this to try and understand the Big Bang Theory, what it actually is. But it's also, I'm not a scientist, okay? So the Big Bang Theory isn't the only theory about how the world we know it came into existence. But it is the leading theory of of the majority of astronomers and and astrophysicists. So the theory is basically this. 13.8 billion years ago, there was a singularity. Now, that's a term, a singularity. That's a term that I've read over and over. And the best I can understand it is this. In the beginning of the universe, there was one, okay? 13.8 billion years ago, there was a singularity. That's how it all began. In other words, in the beginning of the universe, there was one. So out of that singularity, an event happened. This is the theory now. The Big Bang Theory is there was an event happened, which which best described as a bang, I suppose. It's because the theory is that the, escal- uh, that the temperature escalated the one-second-old universe. Like when this happened, when this event happened, they call the bang, the one-second-old universe went to 10 billion degrees Fahrenheit or 5.5 billion degrees Celsius. Either if you use Fahrenheit or Celsius, that's hot. This is all based on scientific evidence that the entire universe is expanding. Okay, so we can't, we can't you know, uh, deny the evidence. The universe is expanding. 
it's growing. So the theory indicates that there must have been an ancient point of singularity that it all began. It's expanding from this ancient point of singularity. At the current rate of expansion, you trace that backwards in time, and you have this 13.8 billion-year-old universe and what's called a Big Bang. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. So it's interesting that the scientists theorize that in the beginning of the universe, there was one. And then after the bang, get this, the first thing that would have appeared would be light. They call it the afterglow of the Big Bang. It happens, according to the theorized timeline, about 380,000 years after the bang. So there's a singularity. There's an event. It gets really hot really fast. Things begin to expand 380,000 years later, something actually forms, and what forms is light. What forms is light. So, so can the creation revelation and the Big Bang Theory both be right? Well, as often happens, the question has questions behind the question, such as how old is Earth really? And the, you know, Genesis says God created it all in six days. How could it have taken millions of years? And what we need to do with that one, at least, is look at the word day, because this was originally written in the Hebrew language. We know this. And in, the, in this Hebrew language, the word that translates as day is yom. And yom, it's, it's from an unused root word to, to be, it merely means to be hot or literally the warm hours. It's the same word yom used to mean the daylight hours, like from sun up to sundown. Same word used to mean a 24-hour from sunset to sunset, like from one sunset to the next sunset, like it includes the nighttime. Okay, Same word, day. It also is the same word used to mean a season. It's the same word you mean to, to, to mean an age of indeterminate length. It was the day of rejoicing. It's, a, it's, it's an indeterminate length. Psalm 90 verse 4 says, A thousand years in your sight, God, are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. And 2 Peter 3.8 says, Do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. So why would we get hung up and argue about something that the Scriptures itself says it's not worth arguing about? So when it comes to the universe, the secret is no secret. Faith is not the opposite of science. And... The Bible is not a textbook, it's a story. Okay? The Bible is not a textbook, but a story. I've heard the Bible referred to, and I, and I like some of these, I've always, and I've used some of these, basic instructions before leaving earth. It's like, but that, that's, that's got a textbook feel about it, right? It's like a roadmap for life. And uh, roadmaps can come in handy, but, but who sits and reads a roadmap? Who enters into the story, the narrative of a roadmap? The more I read and study the Bible, the more I, f I find it, it's fluid. If it's the Bible, the scriptures, they flow, it flows like water. It's alive. It's alive. You know, the, the, we looked at this. The word of God is alive and active. It's working. It's, it seems to breathe into me. It's, isn't, it, isn't it the scriptures? Isn't the Bible more of an experience than a book? I, I see it that way. Well, the, the question what does the Bible say about dinosaurs? It's one of those that starts debates and arguments. And, and mostly I've seen some of those, those debates and arguments, those that seek to represent Jesus, not depict themselves in the best light in some of these debates and arguments. My question to the question is usually this. Why do you ask that question? Why do you ask the question about what, is the, what, is the, what does the Bible say about dinosaurs? What's your, what's your motive? Will, will the answer lead you closer to Jesus? Or do you just want to start an argument? 
or, or maybe you're just curious. That's a good one. But, but because I didn't come here for an argument though. Okay. If, if you're like seeking to, for answers of faith, and this may be something that brings you closer to Jesus. Absolutely. Let's talk about it. If you're just curious, well, let's have a conversation. But if you came for an argument, no, I'm, I'm done. I don't, I'm not here for that. But it's, it's important for us, people of faith, to remember that the Bible is a collection of ancient writings. And within these pages, this is not just a book. It's a, it's a, it's a library. It's, it, there's, there's narrative, history, poems, songs, laws, prophecy, legend. It, it was all written over thousands of years in cultures far different from our own. And three, basically three ancient languages. And, and the best part about all of this is that it's a story, a love story. It's the Bible all these scriptures come together, and it's a love story with two main characters, God and humanity. So, so attempt to use the Bible to prove earth science or astronomy is really an attempt to use the Bible in a way in which it's foreign to what it is. Ultimately, though, I hold the Bible as supreme authority because it's no mere tale. It's a supernatural document. This is why we often refer to God as the author. I mean, who else could take things written over a span of thousands of years in three different languages on three different continents and bring them together, written in three different languages, and tell one magnificent story of the relationship between God and humanity? So what about the dinosaurs? <laughs> Did they exist? Yes, dinosaurs existed. You can visit museums and see them. I've been to, to Wyoming and seen digs and, muse, and museums there. Um, there's other places you can find them, but I happen to have been there personally and seen up close and personal the evidence. Dinosaurs existed. Here are the bones, the artifacts, the skeletons. So... So, so were they on Noah's Ark? Ooh, there's one. Did, did, did they become extinct in some catastrophic event, such as a meteor hitting the earth, like my son Niall points out? And what about the Bible? What does the Bible say about dinosaurs? The word dinosaur isn't found in the Bible, but I want to give you a word that is Leviathan. And you can find this word in several places in the scripture. I'm just going to look at one of them, but I'll give you some others so you can look it up. Leviathan. This word is found in Psalm 74, Psalm 104, in Isaiah 27, if you want to like read what the what does the Bible say about dinosaurs, this word Leviathan, which is, some suggest was like a serpent or some kind of crocodile, literally, literally the word translates as sea monster. Okay, Leviathan. It translates as sea monster. Psalm 74 and and Psalm 104 and Isaiah 27. But the scripture I want to look at is from Job, Job chapter 41. And I'm just going to read that chapter and just let's let it speak for itself. Okay, this is this is a conversation between God and Job, and God is God is questioning Job. Like, like he's basically Job has questioned God's motives, and God's basically putting he spent several chapters here putting Job in check. Like, how who are you to question me? I'm God, and this is kind of bringing it home. God speaking and says. Can you catch Leviathan with a hook or put a noose around its jaw? Can you tie it with a rope through the nose or pierce its jaw with a spike? Will it beg you for mercy or implore you for pity? Will it, will it agree to work for you to be your slave for life? Can you pick, can you make it a pet like a bird or give it to your little girls to play with? Will merchants try to buy it? To sell it in their shops? Will, will its hide be hurt by spears or its head by a harpoon? 
If you lay a hand on it, you will certainly remember the fa- the battle that follows. You won't try that again. No, it's useless to try and capture it. The hunter who attempts it will be knocked down, and since no one dares to disturb it, who then can stand up to me? Who has given me anything that I need to pay back? Everything under heaven is mine. I want to emphasize Leviathan's limbs and its enormous strength and graceful form. Who can strip off its hide and who can penetrate its double layer of armor? Who could pry open its jaws for its teeth are terrible? The scales on its back are like a row of shields tightly sealed together. They are so close together that no air can get between them. Each scale sticks tight to the next. They interlock and cannot be penetrated. When it sneezes, it flashes light. Its eyes are like the red the red of dawn. Lightning leaps from its mouth. Flames of fire flash out. Smoke streams from its nostrils like steam from a pot heated over burning rushes. Its breath would kindle coals for flames shoot from its mouth. The tremendous strength in Leviathan's neck strikes terror wherever it goes. Its flesh is hard and firm and cannot be penetrated. Its heart is hard as a rock, hard as a millstone. When it rises, the mighty are afraid, gripped by terror. No sword can stop it, no spear, dart, or javelin. Iron is nothing but straw to the creature, that, and bronze is like rotten wood. Arrows cannot make it flee. Stones shot from a sling are like little bits of grass. Clubs are like a blade of grass, and it laughs at the swish of javelins. Its belly is covered with scales as sharp as glass. It's, it plows up the ground as it drags through the mud. Leviathan makes the water boil with its commotion. It stirs the depths like a pot of ointment. The water glistens in its wake, making the sea look white. Nothing on earth is its equal. No other creature so fearless for all creatures... It is the proudest of all creatures. It is the proudest. It's the king of beasts, not the lion, <laughs> the Leviathan. This describes something that answers the question what does the Bible say about dinosaurs? Faith in God doesn't mean you have to check your brain at the door. It's okay to accept science. Science increases your faith if you pay attention. Here's the thing, and this is, this is kind of taking you to your next steps. Science is about how things work. Faith is more about why. So when we think about reading scripture, especially the creation poem and things like, you know, Jonah and the whale and, or Jonah and the big fish and, and, and these kind of things. When we think about science and faith, like these are, these are faith stories. This is not a science textbook. This is a, this is a story of faith, a, sto- a love story between God and humanity. And let's remember, science is about how things work. Faith is about why. So what, when we understand why things work a certain way, how they work should increase our faith. So what I would love for you to do as your next step is journal for yourself thoughts on how these work together. Like really, think this through. Think this through. How does science and faith really come together and coexist? Father, thank you for your creation. Thank you for the world in which we live. It's beautiful. May we be like the famous scientist Louis Pasteur and get into looking at nature. And just, just realize the more we look at nature, the more amazed we'll be at you. You are a God who's just giving heaven away if we just open our eyes to see it and embrace it and enjoy it. And so, Lord... Use scientific discoveries, use these theories, use the, use the world of science, Lord, to increase our faith, not to debate, not so that we can debate 
scripture versus scientific discovery, but allow the reality of scientific discovery to increase and grow the reality of the faith that's within us. Thank you, God, for this world. It's a beautiful, beautiful world you've created. Maybe, may we take better care of it. And may we live on it in better peace and unity. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you've been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Awaken Church LA.